<laughs> Penny, caught you by surprise there. We've got a we've got some new intro music, so that's pretty exciting. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's a beautiful, sunny day in San Diego. Beautiful sunny day in Sydney, Australia as well. So uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Strategy and the Virtual Controller. This is episode number three. Uh, so the, the the podcast is designed to help um, business owners who do accounting and bookkeeping, helping them to grow their practice. Uh, it's built on the idea of Strategy and the Fat Smoker, which is a phenomenal book by a guy called David Meister. Um, and the, 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 the premise of that book is... We know what we should be doing in our personal and professional lives. We know why we should be doing it, more often than not, how to do it. Um, That's not really the hard part. The actual hard part is deciding what we want to do and then day in, day out, pursuing that um, so that that we can build a practice, build the practice that we want, build the practice for the long term um, and and sort of eliminate all of the short term distractions that I think get in get in our way. So, Penny, um, I did talk about uh, obviously surprised you there with our podcast intro. Just want to give you a couple of other suggestions, and maybe the uh, the audience can let us know what they prefer. But here's uh, number two. Here was a number two sponsor. That's a little bit so more. Penny's getting- I like that better. You, you, which one, sorry? The second one has a little bit more bass. I like that a little bit better. A little bit more bass. Now, here's number three. This one's out of left field, but just let us know what you think of this one. Sounds like Ooh, a I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting a shake like of the head for I heard when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a different topic to what we're looking for. So what I'm hearing, Penny, is this one. A bit more bass. Yeah. Okay. So um, podcast intro number two uh, for strategy in the virtual controller. And folks, head over to the website, uh, satvc.co. Uh, and that's where you'll find all the links to both strategy and the fat smoker, but any articles and and uh, downloads that we do talk about throughout today's uh, today's episode. So, Penny, last time uh, where we finished was where firms struggle is defining who they are. It's 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 this first hurdle of deciding who they want to be when they grow up and deciding what they want to do and what they don't want to do. Uh, and so today we're going to delve deeper into that because without that foundation. Um, really difficult to, to, to get the team on board, really difficult to find the ideal clients, really difficult to get the right pricing strategies in place. So, Penny, what do you see when you're talking to different firms um, about what it is they want to do uh, and what it is they want for their firm? Well, it's kind of like um, they've got an idea of what it's it's interesting because it's if it's a young firm if it's it not and I don't necessarily mean young by the age of the people but um, a new startup firm um, it's much easier for them to define what it is they're going to be based on uh, current technology and current business practices. Um, and Penny, actually, more often than not, those types of firms come out of more traditional firms that aren't changing as exactly. quickly yeah. as as they want. Yeah, right. Because I, I wrote this one blog. I haven't posted it yet because it's I I, I was so livid when I wrote it. <laughs> I have to tone it out of it. But basically, is good employees are very difficult to find, and they're so easy to get rid of. 
Um, yeah, and I, I think that's if, – if you look at the, the top uh, things that are keeping firm owners up at night, um, people, finding good people and holding on to good people is typically number one, two, or three, depending on the size of the firm or depending on where they are in the year, but still continues to be one of the biggest challenges uh, that accounting firms face. Absolutely. Um, and I uh... – I feel for people on both ends of that spectrum because I have had to deal with them on both ends. But um, I think that for a, a larger firm or a more established firm, it is it is more a little bit more difficult because they've already got all this uh, historical, this is the way we did things is so human of all of us you know, done it this way for a hundred years, you know, okay, <laughs> fine. but, and so it's much harder to break that cycle. Um, but if you can get clarity about what it is you want to do and what it is you want to be and, 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 it, and if you're a single partner owner firm, again, a lot easier. If you have multiple partners maybe a little bit tougher because all the partners have to be in agreement on this. So you have to, and, and you can, and you also have to think about the people that work for you. You have to think about the clients you have and the technology you're using, but you got to start with and also, what you want first. So yeah. Before we get to that, Penny, I, I think it's an important one. It's not only this is the way we've always done it, but if you're an established firm, you've got payroll, you've got um, you, you've got your own as a, as an owner of the business, you've got your own outgoings that you've got to be conscious of, and and sometimes the, the idea of I can take on that that quick tax return that's going to get me a thousand dollars, and I can take on more of those, and it really is this uh, this short term distraction of taking on one more tax return, two more tax returns versus actually saying no to a client because I have, or a prospective client, because I have a, a different vision of where or a different long-term um, strategy that I want to take my firm in. And, and I think that's really um, not necessarily about what we do and what we don't want to do, but it really is getting clear on where we want to be in one year's time, three years time, that. five years time. Yeah, but it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of guts to turn down a client. Um, it takes a lot of guts to say, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. Um, there's ways to do it safely and securely. There's ways to do it that keep you in the loop with that person or that business because you see potential in other areas. Um, that's one of the things that in that book I talked about last week, the robots are coming, is that. They're in the chapter on accounting services and how they're going to change uh, in the future, he talks about that, about how you you become, you can position yourself because of your unique ability to be not only trusted, everybody uses that word trusted advisor, but you are trusted because you see somebody's stuff that nobody else, even their, their priest, their imam, their rabbi, their shaman. I'm not seeing their finances, and you are, and um, and it's it's some place you can put yourself in a position to if you don't want to do that work, finding a competitive, complementary firm that will take that on. 
There's another article that um, Tom Friedman wrote, and I think I talked about this in the first session, and, and it was, he wrote it back oh, probably, you know, five years ago, and it was uh, about how technology companies that somehow look like they have competitive um, products actually can work together and sync. Well, we see it all the time with accounting programs that have capabilities of doing some functions, but you have a third-party app actually doing that particular function because they do it so much better and it takes the onus off of the other part of the, of the system. And everybody wants that system where one login, you know, single sign-on, everything's working, but up, but up, but up. Doug Sleater used to talk about that all the time. And I always liked it, but it's not reality. So also too in, in your company, you can you could say, look at, write down a list of everything you do, you as the individual, and then write down everything your firm does. And what is it that you don't want to do? And write it down. I mean, write down exactly, even it to the point of onboarding a client, answering the phones, everything. Take, don't just look at your business from the standpoint of this is the, the accounting work that we do and break it down by type. But look at it as, as a business as a whole. What are we doing that we don't need to do anymore? And Penny, we we did that with, uh, remember, uh, goodness, um, seven plus years ago when we ran that workshop in, in San, San Santa Barbara, no, Santa Monica. And, and, and we asked firm owners to start writing this list. And uh, as you said, it was both the services that we do and we don't like providing, but it was also the day-to-day tasks and functions that we do and don't like. Uh, And it was really interesting to see two firm owners sitting side by side, partners in business together, sitting side by side, and how different those lists were. They had similar lists of services, similar lists of the tasks, but one loved marketing, one despised marketing. The other uh, really just wanted to focus on doing the actual work, whereas the other one loved the client relationship. So it, it was a really interesting starting point. And one of the things that I noticed at lunch was when people came up to me, they said they've never really thought about our business that way. It's just this is this is the way an accounting firm works and it's the good, the bad, the ugly of running an accounting firm. But, but basically you ask them to sit down and write down what are the tasks that the firm does? What are the tasks that you as a member of that firm, as an owner of that firm do, and then rank them? What do you like? What don't you like? What's critical? What's not critical? Uh, and it was a really interesting process, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was almost, it was difficult to get it. It was like nobody had ever asked them before. And I mean, there were like, what, there were about 90 people in that room. Um, and it was, you, you, there was stone silence. Um, and, you know, I, I looked at them, I said, this is interactive here, folks. It's a workshop. <laughs> you, you, you have my permission to write and nobody's going to judge you um, on what you put there. This is all about you. And it took a while. And um, there were a lot of people that just sat there and said, I hate doing this. I just hate doing it. Um, yeah. And 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 um, we had a, a good question come in via LinkedIn um, uh, last week after last week's episode where it was talking about this is what I want to do, 
but my partner doesn't have the same vision. How do we, how do we come to some form of resolution? And w- we see that all the time when we do sit in firms of two partners, three partners, five partners, um, particularly the two partner firms where they come out of Deloitte together um, with, uh, with goals and ambitions of, of changing the accounting world 10, 15 years later, uh, their their hopes and dreams uh, are diverging. They have different responsibilities. They have different needs. They have different wants. And so the question came, that came in via LinkedIn was, how do I talk to my partner? Because we have different goals and different objectives for what the future of this firm looks like. Um, what have you seen when you've seen two partners that don't share the same uh, same goals? Well, I had a client like that <laughs> and they split the firm up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they remain best friends. Um, they support each other. They understood the focus that each of them was doing. And so when one needs that focus, they do work together and they'll share a client at that level. Now, that is, again, that's, I was talking a little bit about that Tom Friedman article where you find, you know, you don't necessarily have to split up. Um, if the firm's big enough, you can always just silo what it is you're doing versus what the other person's doing. Um, but I think that overall, that aspect is kind of going away because a lot of that was younger people versus an older generation. And that you know, older generation, of which I'm a part, um, uh, the ones that are still there have grabbed on to a lot of this change and are willing to do it. Um, And the ones that aren't, sometimes they're not even the young ones. I've got a firm right now that um, they're in the middle of this and it's not pleasant and it's not fun and uh, it's difficult when one person wants the firm to go in a different direction and the other one's like, no, I just like things the way they are and I don't want them to change. But not changing means death for the firm. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it is hard, yeah. And, and, really hard but, but, to deal with. It's hard to watch them go through this. Um, and... I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be as as easy as the other firm that dealt with this, where they still hang, you know, talk together and share and 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 share information back and forth and utilize each other's strengths um, to help and support the weakest part of their particular uh, set of products and services that they're providing. Well, I think, Penny, that um, but you and I have sat in enough conference rooms with uh, with partners that you can clearly see, I'm not despise each other, for want of a better word, um, and you can, you, I just can't imagine what it's like going to work each day and, and in that sort of an environment. Um, and so I think, again, it's, it is the difficult thing to do, but I'm sure there's a couple of listeners on listening to today's podcast that know that 
actually dissolving the partnership, dissolving the firm and going their separate ways to pursue what they want and, and, and the, the vision that they have for their own professional career and their own firm, it is the right step, but it's a really difficult step. But I think coming into work each day, or, or and I guess we're, I appreciate we're not coming into the office each day, but, but having a business partner that doesn't share your vision of where you want to take the firm, and it doesn't really matter what that vision is, but trying to have that battle each and every day with your partner in business, that's got to be exhausting and it's got to be soul-destroying. Oh, God. I, I, it's kind of like a bad marriage. Um, uh, you know, this is, this is it. You, at some point in your life, you kind of go, I got more days behind me than I got in front of me. Um, do I want to spend it um, feeling like this? And you make a decision. This is, you know, when you when you try to re-engineer uh, a business, you don't just re-engineer the technology and the process and the procedures. You have to re-engineer the people, and it is it is hard for people to let go of stress um it is because at least that's something that's something that's driving me that's something that's pushing me um and it's it's a very human uh thing to do uh but it's it's healthy at all but actually no you don't know yeah it doesn't always turn out that way you might find you might find like those two guys who sat there and been working together for years going you know, I didn't know you hated doing that that much. Why don't I just take on all of that? Yeah. And you take yeah. on all of this. And it worked out between the two of them. It was interesting to have it work out over a two-day period with everybody else in the room seeing it. But And I'm sure they had a lot more to do once they got back to their actual office and out of the workshop. But it 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 doesn't always have to be that way. And And, and I would say that wasn't the majority of what, we saw was that this was going to be a dissolution. Somebody was going to be leaving. Um, but it has happened. But also Penny, I have run into it twice now. Yeah, but you, but you talked about um, team members. Um, if we talk about if, if, if you're having a lot of turnover, if you're struggling to keep people, I'm going to hazard a guess that this, this might be one of the causes, this might be one of the root causes that there is an alignment in the leadership of the, of the organization of the, of the business. Um, and, and I think given that, that it is quite easy to go and start your own bookkeeping or accounting practice, the barriers to entry are fairly low. Uh, if you are having high turnover, I would hazard a guess that, um, any animosity, any, uh, 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 discrepancies or differences that, that you and your partner are having, your team, they're picking up on that. Oh, they're goodness. seeing that. And probably one of the biggest causes of, of their frustration and reasons that they want to leave. Uh, it's also other things go on and they're not letting you in on it. And they basically ignore what the partners are doing and do whatever they want anyways. Yeah. And so Penny, let's get back to, let's get back to what's an easy way that, uh, to, to, to facilitate this discussion. So whether you are in a partnership or whether you're a sole proprietor trying to work out your own business, uh, and, and the future strategy and future direction, um, we've all got to do tax returns. So what, uh, how do we, how do we start this process? We don't all have to do tax returns. 
Um, what does that mean? Well, you can decide that you don't you want to have a firm that it does real advising and real financial management of a company. You may not want to be the one that does the tax return at the end of the year. And you can go find firms that are willing to just do tax returns because some people just like doing them. Um, mm-hmm. Some people just like, hey, I don't want to talk to the person. I don't want to do it. Just give me all the data and I will chunk out a return because I get my jollies out of knowing all this tax information. And there are people like that. And there's nothing wrong with finding that. And, and in, in, in the case of, of uh, three firms that we work with, they don't do tax returns. They have mm-hmm. found an outside firm that is happy to take on the taxes. And they make, because they're focused on doing the managerial part of accounting and bookkeeping and the much more hands-on client relationship, when the tax return gets done, it's a slam dunk because all the data is there, all the information's there. And then they're talking not to a business owner who may not understand the questions they're asking and therefore not giving them the answers that they expect to hear or that they want to hear. They're talking to somebody who they trust, who uh, they have a relationship with, who is an accounting professional also. And uh, it works relatively smoothly that way. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, it's like six months out of the year, I'll work my butt off doing taxes and the rest of the time I want to sale. And and then there are other people that go on, hey, I just like doing this part and I don't want to have to deal with tax returns in the middle of trying to deal with the client that I promised I would give them advisory service. I will do um, I would do partial CFO work. I'm not going to let a one-time tax return take me off of that focus. And you can and make that decision. You don't have to, but you could if you wanted to. Well, I think what's happened as well is a lot of firms have grown organically by just saying yes. Can you do this? Yes. Can you do that? Yes. Can we do this? Yes. Can I do that? Oh, I'm not sure, but I'll learn how to do it. So yes, because I can probably bill for that and I can probably get paid for that. And I I, I think that has been the way that um, traditional accounting firms have grown. I always remember uh, the accounting firm that I worked in just north of San Francisco. and, And I asked, well, how did you get into audits? And they said, well, we we were asked to do one and we were desperate for money. So we said, yes. And I said, well, how come you did the second one? And they said, well, we lost so much money on the first one that we had to, we had to do more of them to, to make up for it. Yeah. So, so I think this is how a lot of firms develop. It, it's because of this organic taking on generalist activities. And then you, you sort of look back 12 months, 15 months, two years, three years, 10 years later, and you have this full uh, full service firm that you do okay at, and you've got a couple of clients here and there, uh, but there's really no specialization and there's really no focus. And and I think the future of, of the accounting profession uh, of is really that specialization and becoming specialists at what we do. Um, and, and that could be specialist in tax, could be specialist in payroll, could be specialist in this advisor, whatever that actually might be. But I think that really is where 
the fastest growing firms are because they've they've taken time to sit back and say, what is it that we like to do? What is it that we love to do? What is it that we're best at? at? Uh, and let's do more of that. And then let's work out how we have to get that other stuff done. Yeah, have that other stuff done. You can outsource it to another firm or uh, to another person in, you know, and outsourcing does not always mean offshore. Okay, so can we just set that up right? Because I know, you know, because I, I do have an outsourcing company, but that's not the only way to do it. And um, yeah, I mean, again, sit down, seriously think, what is it that you like to do? And I can tell you this, if you like to do it, you're going to do it with joy and you're going to get more of it and you're going to get more referrals from clients because that's the best way to get business is through referrals. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like, this sounds like a damn self-help book, but Jesus, it's, you know. It is and, and maybe that, and maybe that's one of the activities coming out of tax season is to sit down. Um, I like that tax season. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's so funny, isn't it? Because every time you you talk to you talk to uh, practitioners or, or um, partners after each tax season, it's every tax season is worse than the one before, isn't it? And so now it's sort of a case of well, hang on. Coming out of this tax season, you now have a good nine-month runway, 12-month runway to decide how you want to change your practice. And so I'd, I'd, I'd encourage listeners to put some time in the calendar to uh, to, to disconnect, to, to take a, a, a pad and um, pen and paper and actually list down all of the things that you're doing. And I, I've seen firms do it, or I've seen people do it different ways. So some people do a, a sort of like traffic lights in our controller type um, uh, imagery where it's green, uh, amber, and red in terms of the activities that they like to do. Some people rank it on a, 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 a one to five or one to 10. But taking some time out of your or day post-tax season to really narrow in on, on what you want to do, what you enjoy doing, and what you don't like doing is really important. Include everything. If you're the partner owner or you're one of the partners, include everything. Include, you know, do you want to deal with the fact that you're renting a building and how you're dealing with that and the furniture and the computers and the server and the and the phone system? Do you want, you know... All of that stuff can be off your plate if you don't like it. If all you want to do is have the relationship with the client, if all you want to do is go out and get new clients and onboard clients, if all you want to do is, hey, listen, here's a decent, this is a job that every firm needs. Somebody who is willing to learn all the technology that's out there and teach it to the clients to use it properly. Maybe that's you. I don't know. But if, but and also maybe you're the person who I just I just want to sit here and I want to have my tasks in front of me and I want to just do what I have to do and I don't want to have to deal with anybody and then I want to be done at the end of the day. This is space for that too. This is space for everything in a business basically, and it takes all parts. You just have to decide what part you want to play, and then you decide what part you want your firm to play. And what is it that you want your firm? If you're if you're a multi-partner firm, you might do this in sections. But if you're a single firm owner and you might have four or five people working for you, then you can really drive the direction that you want this firm to go and focus on those things you like to do. You like to do. 
Don't yet think about your team. They're going to come up next. You got to worry about them later you know, in this equation. But first you have to decide if you're the leader, you have to be happy. Because as my mother used to say, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> and, and there were there were like a lot of us in that house. <laughs> but um, but really, if if the top of the line is not happy, if they're miserable, that trickles down to everybody, not just your employees. It trickles down to your clients. It comes out of your employees to your clients. It trickles down to your family and it trickles down to everybody that you touch. Um, so first, what do you, don't think about what you're going to be when you grow up. What's going to make you happy? And I can guarantee you, you're going to make money at what makes you happy. And it's not that you're going to be sitting back and doing nothing and the money's going to be raking in and it's no evergreen stuff. You're still going to have to do work. But what work do you like to do? And actually, you're probably going to work harder, but you're going to love the, the work that you do. Um, and, and so for this, the single operator, the single owner firm, it, it is an easier process. Um, in a multi-partner firm, and Penny, you and I, we've actually gone in and facilitated workshops. So if anyone's out there listening and, the, and they would like us to, to talk about what this facilitation process might look like, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, via our LinkedIn profiles and, and via the, the podcast website. Um, but having that actual frank and open discussion with partners, um, it's, it's, it's quite uh, cathartic, isn't it? Because when you actually put up the two lists, and this is one of the, in a workshop that I did with a firm, it was a firm of seven partners, but you essentially, and we did the, the traffic lights, the green, uh, amber, red, when, when we, when we put up on the wall, what each partner liked to do and didn't like to do, uh, it was the first time that uh, the this type of conversation had been had. And to your point earlier, um, you could see that one partner disliked this, but another partner loved it. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a result of that process, actually, if we sort of talk honestly, I think one partner left because left the firm because it just didn't align. But with the remaining five partners in the room, we were able to reallocate roles and responsibilities um, as a result of that process. So if, 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 if having someone come in and facilitate what is a very difficult um, and sometimes um, emotional uh, process, then, then that might be something that gets the ball rolling because until you have this conversation, you're going to be stuck in the stuck in this rut of doing the same as last year and doing it the way that we've always done it. Yeah, and then everybody's just miserable. And yeah, uh, yeah. Edie, Edie's book is probably Edie Osborne. Yeah, yeah, her book is is a really good one to recommend for that. Uh, I'll get that link for you. Yeah, we'll get the title for our next episode. But I, I think, Penny, this is probably a fairly good uh, good place to stop today's episode because if we think about the stoplights and, and we're going with that type of uh, imagery for the podcast, if we think about our red, amber and green, we want to do more of the green. Uh, amber might be a necessary evil that we need to that we need to look at how we get it done effectively and efficiently and that could be technology that could be delegation that could be outsourcing red 
uh, that's an interesting one where we might say, you know what, we're not going to do it anymore, but we're going to find a firm or another professional that can do it for us. But I think that is the next episode, isn't it? That's yes. the next talking point mm-hmm. where we uh, where we really get into those details. Yeah, definitely. And that I have seen that work where you get that red stuff and find somebody else who loves to do your reds. And it works very well. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's, let's pause there. Um, and next time when we come back, we'll, we'll look at now that we've gotten, spent some time listing out what we do love doing, what we don't like doing, what are the necessary evils we can then get into? How do we make sure that we're, uh, delivering the services that we do want to provide to our clients, to our team, to our stakeholders? Um, and we'll take it from there. So Penny, uh, Thank you very much for today's episode. If you do want um, any more information on uh, on this type of facilitation process and, and workshops, uh, Penny and I have done a, a whole bunch of them together, separately, via Zoom, um, remotely, in person. Uh, we'd be delighted to help. So feel free to reach out to us uh, and we can uh, get in contact with you. But Penny, look forward to the next episode. Thank you, Damien. Have a great day.